Paratooth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Since the fall of man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries, this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies, and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe. We are Paratruth Radio. What's going on, Parafans? Welcome to another episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. This week, uh, we were supposed to have on Nick Redfern. He was unable to join us this week, and we had to reschedule him for next week, so you will catch him next week with us. So I decided to play the episode that we were on on the Malliard Report until next week where we are with Nick Redfern about his book, The Monster Book. So without further ado, here is the episode we did with Jim Malliard on The Malliard Report. My guests tonight are Justin and Eric of Paratruth Radio, right? Is that how I say all that? That's absolutely how you say all that. <laughs> so uh, introduce yourself so they know, know the voices, so I, you know, before we get too far gone. My name is Justin. And is Eric paying attention and at I'm all? Eric. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went to lunch on us, apparently. <laughs> um well, let's start with the show. I, I, I spoke. <laughs> now it's all Justin, the rest of the show. <laughs> That's usually how it works. So. Well, well, give me a little background on the show, and then we'll, hey. get, we'll, we'll get back, and then we'll go around, and then we'll come back to the show before it's over, I'm sure. So. All right. All right, Eric, give them, give them the taste of Paratruth Radio. Yeah. Uh, so Paratruth Radio, you know, it's a radio show. It's a good thing. Um <laughs> so it's it's a show in which we talk about the paranormal and we take two stances on either side typically it's a Christian worldview uh, compared to or versus a uh, worldview and basically what we do is we talk about anything and everything paranormal whether it's ghosts demons angels heaven hell cryptids you name it we talk about it and we love it uh, and every once in a while we get into you know, somewhat healthy debates, and uh, we're still co-hosts, so yeah. that's a good thing. That's always a plus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we have we have go- uh, guests on from all walks of life. Uh, we have authors on. We have uh, radio personality on. We have uh, people from the all kinds of different areas in the entertainment uh, world. Uh, we we even had a screenwriter on, which had nothing to do with the paranormal. But you know, every once in a while, we like to to branch out beyond the paranormal just just to give ourselves a little bit of breathing room every once in a while. Uh, you know, sometimes talking about the paranormal can get a little a little deep and a little dark. So every once in a while, we like to take a step back. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, it's a good show to listen to. Plus, we always have fun. <laughs> I was going to say, that's, that's we have a lot in common, so that's, A, why I brought you guys on, because my listeners could benefit from your show. 
because I fully believe that if you know they're listening to podcasts, they're probably listening to more me anyway. So I might as well give them. Oh yeah, <laughs> more, <laughs> more good shows to listen to. I might as well give them some more good content. To to yeah. yeah, and as all I, of the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, get rid of some other show. Anyways, um, as I drop my show right now. Uh, now, actually, I, a long time ago, I wish I could find the clip because it'd probably be a good commercial. I said, if ghost hunting is the only thing you enjoy doing in the dark, I don't want you to listen to my show. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait I just said it again on the air so now, now I know where the clip is right there you go <laughs> no but okay so what okay just I've known you for longer than I care to remember we'll say it yeah. that way how does that sound yeah. Um, yeah. but what got you interested in the paranormal to start with way back probably before I met you the first time um well it was something I have actually always been interested in uh, as a kid you know I guess you could say a dumb kid at times. I uh, played with Ouija boards. I uh, played with uh, tarot cards. And eventually, you know, um, I had lost my faith. I came back to my faith after Eric and I actually started in 2009 with Night Stalkers Paranormal Radio and our uh, paranormal investigation group that went with that. And... What really got us interested, I think, for the most part, was the shows that were out at that time, and most of them still are out now, uh, to actually do the paranormal investigation part. Uh, what started Night Stalkers was Eric and I would always talk about things like vampires, werewolves, you know, zombies, and then the one day, you know, I'm like, we should do a show about this. And Eric's like, yeah, okay. So I... Did some research, found Blog Talk Radio, and Night Stalkers Paranormal Radio was born. Unfortunately, oh, you found blog, um, you found Blog Talk. Unfortunately, I guess is what right. I meant to say. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh no! I, can you hear me? Um, why did I just spit on my hand? Anyways, um, <laughs> that's the only way to get that sound effect going now. So, Eric, um, uh, what got you interested in doing all of this fun stuff? Uh, well, you know, me and Justin being cousins, uh, we actually have similar backgrounds. We grew up together, which is unfortunate, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, because you're I, unbearable, that's why it's unfortunate. Yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody has um, to be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but, uh, my sisters and I actually, we grew up, um, playing with the Ouija board mostly. That's pretty much all we ever played with. And, it was, you know, it was nothing. It was just a game. And one night we were actually playing with with the Ouija boy, and we we're asking questions. And the the dial that you use became extremely hot. Almost, it was not almost, but it was too hot to touch. You couldn't, we couldn't keep our hands on it. And that in itself was very intriguing, um, scary, but intriguing. I grew up in a haunted house. We would have. The lights flashing on and off, power constantly going out, uh, going out, uh, footsteps walking up from the basement, uh, middle of the night, a lot of weird, creepy noises coming from the basement. Um, my sister often, not often, but she, she saw me once. This is an interesting story. She saw me once sitting up in my bed and as she walked over to, you know, to come hang out like it's 3 a.m., I'm up, why not? Let's go, let's go talk with my brother. Uh, she walks over and I disappear, but I'm sleeping in my bed. And she realized that it was me hovering over myself. 
and she didn't know what it was. And I've seen so many shadows in that house uh, and just witnessed so many things that I think eventually when, when I became old enough to fully comprehend what it was that was going on and understand like this isn't this isn't or shouldn't be normal. Uh, that's when I really started getting into the the uh, research and the investigations. And you know, like Justin had said, some of the shows that were out back then, Ghost Hunters, before you know they became crappy, and Ghost Adventures, and of course a little known show uh, on the CW called Supernatural. Uh, eventually, all played into the factor as well. Uh, that just really built my interest, and I started getting into demonology and researching uh, demons. And one of the books that I had bought at the time was uh, The Lesser Key of Solomon. Uh, and I actually bought that book because I started going through some um, demonic affliction, which is by far three months, th- three of the scariest months of my entire life. Um, and so, yeah, you know, with all of that combined, it, it did eventually bring us to Night Stalkers. And, uh, you know, so many years later, about eight, almost eight years later, here we are with Parachute Radio. And, you know, still doing it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into like the current rendition here in a minute, but I, I, I've got to touch on this this Ouija board subject because mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm well. Maybe I should have left the camp. Well, I don't have my camera up, so you couldn't give, see the strange look I was giving you when you said you just <laughs> played with it like it was a toy. <laughs> but then it bother anyone, or did you know? I mean, I, I agree that it's what it is. I mean, it is what you put into it, but mm-hmm. it just. I don't know. It's just kind of fun to me to think about the, because there's so many people out there that would be scared cheatless. <laughs> scared of that one. Um, you know, they even give a, a child, you know, or anyone, or have one in their house. I hear so many people like, I don't even want it anywhere near my house. So. Well, you have to remember that the times, even, even though it hasn't been that long, I mean, I'm 30, and the times have changed since I was, you know, 10 years old. Uh, back when I was 10, Everybody had a Ouija board. Now, all my friends had Ouija boards, and it was just something that we did. And it wasn't until I was about 18 years old that the uh, all, all the shows started coming out, and the Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures and a number of others, and started talking more about the Ouija board. And people became more aware of what the Ouija board was, you know, oh, so many centuries ago, and what it was really used for. Right. Um, and, you know, and I'm fortunate that... It became a commercial product. You know, people realize that they can make money off of it if they uh, geared it towards children and teenagers and said, hey, you know, you can find out, learn about your future. Just ask questions and, you know, so on and so forth. But people didn't realize the truth behind it. You didn't realize that there was a door being opened that would negatively affect you and allow things to come in and harm you. So I think that's the big difference now. You know, today... We have people like the three of us who are on air and can say, hey, this is what the Ouija board really is. And people hear it and they start to learn. And I think that's where the difference comes. Then, you know, nowadays people can actually learn about it and they have people who are willing to teach them uh, the truth about the Ouija board, which a lot of us didn't have uh, back in the early 90s even. Right. I think uh, it being marketed as a toy, you know, that's why people think of it as a toy. And, you know, as Eric was saying, back when we were kids, you know, my stepmother gave me my first Ouija board. It wasn't anything that was shunned or thought as bad. Uh, I mean, her her grandmother had done um, 
Oh gosh, it has to do with the stars, not not astrology. Astrology. Uh, she had worked with astrology, and uh, you know, so she was kind of introduced to all of this as well at, at an early age. Um, and so she had kind of introduced it to me, even though I already knew what a Ouija board was. You know, everybody knew what a Ouija board was, and uh, nobody. Yeah, like Eric said, nobody told you, you know, you're going to open a doorway or. Uh, they never said, hey, you need to be careful with, with using this. Nothing like that at all. So I've got, I've got a, where'd it go? I have to read it because, Cat, happy birthday, even though you don't want to admit it, first and foremost. But you have to be 18 to vote and 8 to summon a demon with the Ouija board. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like I said, I had to read it because it was funny and I, I was trying, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes you, well, You'll see something, and you're sitting here going, you're having a serious conversation, and you see something, you just want to laugh. Right. <laughs> it's dangerous. And then people wonder why I mute my microphone, because I'm sitting here laughing, and then, you know, then the conversation, t- and I just start talking, because I'm supposed to be talking, and yeah. nobody can well, hear and you know, it, it really, it, it is funny to us, but when you think at uh, the popular culture, as it is today, you know, voting is something tangible. You know, it's something that we know, something that we can see, something that everybody does. But not everyone believes in demons. You know, some people will look at that and say, uh-huh, it's funny, but who cares, you know? Um, where people like us will see it and be like, this is, this is serious stuff. You know, this is kind of, this is a very bad thing. Uh, and it's very unfortunate. But. Well, I, I'm going to take a side street here because it's an interesting conversation. I have it often with people about are we losing spirituality altogether because of electronics and the pace of the information and just, you know, bang, 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 everything going on around us? Mm-hmm. I honestly think we're losing not just our spirituality or spiritual growth, but we're also losing our humanity. Uh, it, even though, you know, doing the podcast, I would I would love to have people constantly have our uh, our show on their smartphones or on their computers or whatever. But in the long run, I, you know, there's been a lot of people that post memes that say, you know, we're, we're in our zombie apocalypse right now and a bunch of teenagers are looking at their phones, walking around, not looking up and not interacting with each other. So in the long run, we're losing both. We're not only losing our, our spirituality, but we're losing our humanity as well. Mm. No, on another side, though, on another like a side note, I guess, um, it, it would seem that we are losing humanity in a sense and spirituality. But this is what I believe is a phase. You know, a lot of people for the longest time, uh, at least since 2012, you know, they believe the apocalypse is upon us. You know, the end times, and so on and so forth. They're not saying that it isn't. But when you look uh, historically and statistically speaking, uh, since Christ's resurrection, Christianity has fluctuated enormously over the centuries. Uh, sometimes, it, you know, Christianity is widespread. Sometimes it gets narrowed out. Then it's widespread again, gets narrowed out. And it just happens like that over and over. And there's just these constant uh, phases that the world goes through. And that's actually scripturally based as well. God says that things are going to happen. These things are going to happen repeatedly over and over again. Don't believe that the end is near. Don't believe that it's all over. Uh, and I think right now this is a phase. And I honestly believe that the whole uh, paranormal thing that we've gotten into uh, back in 2000, well, probably around 2010 or so, maybe a little earlier, 2008, 
uh, I think it's starting to fade away a little bit. The TV shows, I mean. Uh, I think there's still a lot of people who are really interested in the paranormal. But unfortunately, I don't think it's as big of a, uh, I'm going to call it a industry, if you will, because it has turned into an industry. It has, um, yeah. I don't think it's as big of, a, of an industry as it was back in 08 or 07. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, it, it does seem that media and technology is forcing us uh, to become almost like mindless zombies. But at the same time, being uh, uh, in the media industry myself, it's also allowing us to do great things. And great. some of those great things are just, you know, teaching the world about the Gospels and allowing us to really bring Christianity back again, which, and make it stronger, even. It is interesting. It's an interesting topic to think about. I'm not mm-hmm. but I, one more question. I did write down paranormal industry because I do want to, I definitely do want to talk to you boys about that because I've, <laughs> well, I want to, I want to ask this this question. With the need to know everything, like, you know, if we had a question right now between the three of us, one of us would hit Google and look it up. Right. The immediate need to know. And I don't know, is that, is that, because, I mean, that's, that's new for all of us, because between computers and smartphones, no matter where we are, we, I mean, we have access to anything we want to know, and if we don't know, if we don't know it, we don't need to know it, apparently. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but is is that is that beneficial? I mean, it sounds beneficial, but is it really? I mean, it doesn't leave much to the imagination. Right. Um, again, going back to the podcasting thing, in a sense, it yes, it is beneficial to find things that you that uh, you're looking for. Uh, but as far as I mean, just. For as an example, since I am trying to be a writer, a lot of uh, books, especially the physical books, are being lost now. They're all a lot of them are going to just ebooks or the e-readers or what have you, and that could be probably be said about a lot of different aspects of not just research, but research history. Uh, a lot of libraries might eventually close down because things are going to digital and Google and being able to access all of that from one space. I Yeah, I think that um, in that sense, it's not beneficial because then all we're doing is sitting in our homes just Googling what we want to know instead of going out and getting the answers for ourselves. You know, I'm going I'm to... Right, piggyback off that a little bit, and no, no, you won't. Well, no, okay. you won't. You know what, Justin? <laughs> this is. Uh, I don't know why I do radio shows with you, man. <laughs> because Jeez. it's fun and entertaining. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think right, to put this in the words uh, of one of the best guys I've ever known, uh, and it's actually my prof- a professor of mine. Uh, we've been talking about just life in general or talking about film or no matter what it is that we talk about one thing that he constantly or a statement he constantly raises is it depends what do you want in life it depends you know what do you want to know it depends and it's true here it depends as well is is having like google for example a good thing or isn't it well it depends now if i'm talking to someone and i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and use a spiritual uh, basis here but if i'm talking to someone uh, of some spiritual matters and 
there's a Bible verse that I know, like I know of it, but I can't think of what the verse is or where it's at or anything like that. Google's a great thing. I could type it in, type in a question, and boom, I got the verse that I wanted to, to share with them, you know? Um, so, so things like that, it's very beneficial. You know, and, and when we, when we absolutely need the answer at that exact moment, because later on it may not, you know, it may not be any good later on, but if you absolutely need it at that very moment, it's very beneficial. However, if you're just curious about something and you want to know the answer, I think that's where it's not as beneficial because when you Google something, there's many times you'll get this, this little, uh, this little bar or something like that at the top and it'll give you the answer right there. You don't even have to click on any other links. It just has the answer. Right. But yeah. that answer isn't always the truth. When you actually start digging in and doing more research, click on some of those links, you'll see that a number of different people, whether they're scientists or just normal individuals like you and I, um, I use normal loosely, um, <clears throat> their opinions change, and therefore the answer to your question changes. And you have sometimes have to discern what you believe is the truth. And so I think in that sense, it's very important to do real research. And I don't mean just the Internet. But actually dig into books, go to the library and really see what answers are out there and start taking the combination of answers that there are and sort through and find what the truth is, what the real truth is. Because, yeah, the Internet, it isn't all truthful. You know, a lot of people think it is. It's not. So. Except these shows we do. They're all truthful. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, oh, you do, I mean, your show is pair of truth. We have to. Yeah. I mean, don't, it's don't tell people you're lying. Come on. No. What? I don't lie. It is okay to be wrong from time to time, but lying, yeah. I don't, I don't think we lie on purpose, per se. No, I, I, I just had to, I just had to throw him under the bus because, you know, that's yeah. another good yeah. mention for the show, at least. Um, Eric, you, well, let's go to Eric first because I'm interested. All I got was that you're doing a short film. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know more than that, but I'm gonna know more in three, two, one. And that's how you decide not to tell you, buddy. <laughs> well, then you decide not to tell the audience, and then nobody will watch it, and then you'll be like, "Why do they waste so much time?" Uh, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just finished. I actually just finished a short film uh, a couple days ago. Um, it's called The Revealed. It's about a young woman named Abigail Franklin who she happens to be a New York Times bestselling author and she's forced into questioning what is real and what isn't. She meets a couple of or has I should say a couple of encounters with extraterrestrial beings and she believes that the true aliens until a friend of hers comes by and says that what he believes they are is a very sinister being of a spiritual nature. Um that, that, that's the pitch, by the way. That's just laying it out there. Boom, that's what it is. But the story itself is actually a little more in-depth. And to, it's a short film, mind you. It's 10 minutes and 30 seconds long. Uh, I actually just had a review of it recently, and it got great reviews from over 40, from about 40 people who had watched it, uh, which is great news. You know, it's awesome when you someone can watch something and tell you that's really good, especially when you're sitting in front of a computer working on it for three, four months straight, you start to question whether or not it really is a good film. Um, and I think we do that sometimes to the radio shows as well, just like, is this a good episode? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he worries but, too much about that. I, I just say they're all good. <laughs> Next week will be better. <laughs> <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, the, the story revolves around a conversation between Abby and her friend Sam. And as they're talking, Sam, Sam is kind of the initiator here. He's, he's questioning Abby, asking her, uh, when all of these things began. When did these, uh, these, uh, abductions, cause she thinks she's being abducted by aliens, uh, happen? When did they really happen? And she starts talking about it and she starts giving details about her life over the past several months. And those details include specific, uh, interactions with these entities. And of course, it's not just a discussion because as she starts to be or begins to talk about these these uh, these aliens, uh, you actually get to see the story unfold in front of us. So, <clears throat> it's, I, I could sit here and tell you, like, tell you about my past, for example. But in the film, we're actually going in her mind and seeing her past. Uh, Sorry, my, my door started knocking in the background. I was like, what the heck? You got some paranormal activity going on right now. Uh, we could discuss that later. That's, <laughs> that's something completely different. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, in the uh, 10 minutes and 30 seconds of the film, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end, which is, uh, believe it or not, doesn't happen on all films. Some movies kind of just have a beginning and that's it. Um, but you kind of just see into Abby's past and then live with her in this moment, the things that she went through, the ups and downs, uh, the horrifying moments uh, that she has witnessed, and ultimately come to your own conclusion, conclusion as to what it is that she's experiencing in the end. So, this is your first? Uh, this is my, well, it's not my first film, but this is my, going to be my first uh, festival piece. Okay, so that that was gonna be my next question. When are you gonna release it, and how? What what's the next few steps you got going in your mind? Okay, so now that the film has been officially completed, I have one year in which it can work on the festivals or run the festival circuit. Uh, you only get about a year, approximately. Occasionally, it'll go beyond that, depending on how well it does in festivals. You you can extend it to two years or so, but the plan is for the next year to send it to festivals all around the country, if not the world. Uh, to see how well it does. Um, if it ends up um, getting a lot of attention, we'll see what the next step is. There, there are uh, the possibility of selling, selling it on the website, for example, or distributing it in a number of different ways. Uh, it, it could be sold as a bundle with other films that are similar, like full feature films that are similar to it. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there have been a couple of films that have come out recently uh, that actually have a short film at the beginning of the film. Yeah, and then you have all the credits, and then you have the actual film. Well, that is one option. That is a possibility. Uh, there's distributors in which you can actually just go online, uh, get a just distribution company who would then sell that short film, and people could pay for it uh, that way. There's also Amazon Prime and Netflix, which actually both house short films. And of course, you you can find some small income from there. Nothing major, but uh, you can definitely find income there, and that's a really good way to promote the film and more importantly promote yourself as a filmmaker because that's the ultimate goal you, you know you want people to enjoy the films that you make and, and I think that personally all films any film that it is uh, should be should be able to teach somebody something in some way alright um, there, there are movies out there that are just kind of like 
I don't even know what to call it. They're just like slap happy, you know, comedy films that have uh, no real imaginative uh, substance to it whatsoever. It's just here. I want to make you laugh, and that's it. But I think a real story. It, I think a real story is deeper. I think it teaches people about themselves as they watch it. Because uh, I think you need to have a similarity or a connection between the audience and your actors or your characters that you have on the screen. And so, yeah, you know, after the one year uh, of the film festival, I'm thinking of um, if it doesn't get picked up by somebody, because that is a possibility, I'm thinking I'm going to send it to Netflix uh, and or Amazon Prime and see if they'd be willing to pick it up for several months to, to a year and stream it from there. Um the good thing is after the festivals, depending on how things go, I may just release it online uh, or as DVD format and allow people to see it uh, if they haven't seen it in the festival itself. So, and I got my last question about filmmaking, I promise, because I know, well, I don't really care what people think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how difficult was it to keep it to that 10, what did you say, tw- 10, 30, 10, 20, whatever it was? Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, 10 minutes, 30 seconds. Um Originally, all right. So the original script uh, that I was writing was meant to be a feature script, um, so about a ninety-minute film. And I was having trouble over the last year, just really trying to, or I'm sorry, two years ago, I was having trouble trying to bring the whole story together to make it ninety minutes. So I had this idea that I could actually turn it into a short film and have a whole lot more punch behind it by doing so. So the original product was about. The, the script, I mean, was about 20 pages, uh, which really lasted about 20 minutes. Each page of a script is one minute of runtime uh, equivalent. So I had 20 pages, and after talking with some people and having them read through it, we decided that we can actually cut it down more and make it even more impactful. So it dropped down to 15 pages, then 12 pages, and eventually got it to 10 pages solid. Uh, and that was the the final working script. That was the script that we we're going to go with. That's the one that I pitched. That's the one that the actors got uh, and were able to read for the film. And so it we shot the film for a week. It was approximately 12 hours a day, uh, seven days. Uh, no, almost 10 days, actually. And it, it, was, it was stressful. You know, not everything goes the way that you plan it when, when you're making a film, unfortunately. Uh, but once we got everything shot, I had hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of footage. And so what you have to do is go through and choose the exact shots that you want for each individual sequence or clip. So that's where the cutting down really came in. Because I, I, I had two hours worth of footage that I put together, and I then cut it down to 20 minutes. Then I cut it down to 13 minutes, and eventually I... You know, kind of shaved it down to that 10 minute and 30 second mark, which is the final product now. And that includes credits as well at the end. So it just takes a lot of work. Just, just choosing, you know, is this scene really necessary? Do I need this, this particular shot? Do I need this dialogue? Will, will this dialogue make the movie stronger or am I weakening the movie by putting it in here? And, you know, th- those are the choices you have to make. And-, and those are the choices that are ultimately going to bring you uh, to the time limit that you need. And that's that's how I got to that that final time. So Better you than me. Okay. Now, <laughs> now we'll, we'll, we'll push Eric off to the corner for a minute. We'll pull Justin back up if he's still alive. <laughs> and uh, you're in the same boat, but almost the same boat. 
you've got a book that isn't out quite yet, but it's coming out. So why, why, why don't we go through that? All right. Uh, the book's called uh, The Griffin, book one in the Legendary Creature Saga. It's about a uh, mad scientist who is trying to bring back legendary creatures through human genetic manipulation. And uh, it's actually a book that's weighed on my mind for a long time. And uh, it actually started out as a project that I kind of started in high school. And it was a bat creature. Uh, but as my my interests evolved, so did the, the book. So uh, it's going to be a three-part trilogy. And he's going to do a different legendary creature for each one eventually not to ruin the ending but that leads to his demise obviously as I say you should have said spoiler alert first there I think <laughs> <laughs> I mean you haven't even wrote it yet you're given <laughs> <laughs> so I, I know that you've been I don't want to say struggling but maybe that yeah. is the word Trying to find a publisher, or where, where is that? Where are you at with that? Even if you want to comment on that, I guess I should preference it that way. Um, I have not heard anything back from any of the publishers that I did submit to. Uh, with that being said, I did not use an agent, which is sometimes more beneficial than trying to do it yourself. Uh, I also have the option of self-publishing, where way back when nobody really had that option until recently so worst case scenario i will self-publish uh there is a company that actually uh is paired with penguin publishing that is a self-publishing company and a lot of times they will pick up the books that there's that the self-publishing company does so fingers crossed I'm hoping to either hear something soon or it will be self-published. Uh, I've also been having a little bit of an issue trying to find somebody to do the cover artwork. So FYI, guys, if there's anybody out there that knows anybody that does artwork, I'd be more than happy to uh, either give them an honorable mention or even at this point pay them to do my, my art co- uh, cover artwork. I might be able to help you with that. They might be listening tonight, even, or they might listen to it. So, uh, if if they don't get a hold of you, I might remind me in a couple. Well, we'll get back to that. Remind me, I might be able to help you with that. Might okay. I'm not going to promise anything. Sure, it sure as hell isn't me. I mean, anyone can. <laughs> I'm not. I'm lucky to talk, let alone uh, any of the rest of it. So I I've, I've been rifling around this subject for the last couple months. So, so I know this isn't your bread and butter, but I just want your guys' hot takes. That was good. Um, on uh, <laughs> UFO Wait, disclosure. Did you say hot takes? I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on UFO disclosure. UFO disclosure. Uh, you know, you know where, um, the, where the government's going to, where, you know, President Trump's going to release all this information. I almost said that with a straight face. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, they're already claiming that they already have released full disclosure. Uh, I would disagree that they have, because if they had, the Roswell incident would not still just only be an incident and what people call, quote-unquote, conspiracy theory. So I do I think they will? 
I absolutely do not think so because they want to keep that mystery going and keep people wondering. Uh, do they, do I think they will try and present things like extraterrestrials visiting us? Uh, I think that would be more along the lines of manipulation because if aliens were smart at all, they would stay away from planet Earth at least at this point. So, well, <clears throat> so in this particular case, uh, Trump is just a pawn. He doesn't have the power to, re- to release that information, if, even if he wanted to. Um, yeah, I th- there are powers much greater than he right now on the planet that are capable of keeping that stuff a secret, and it's up to them whether or not to release it ultimately. Uh, the, the one thing that's important to know is that by releasing the information, that would have a huge impact uh, on society uh, in regards to the... The, the income that comes in from the industry that actually formed due to this whole uh, conspiracy theory as to whether or not the government has uh, UFOs or knows anything about aliens. Uh, if the information was leaked or, or was just brought forth and said, hey, yeah, we do have UFOs, guess what? A lot of people start losing jobs because nobody cares to read about UFOs anymore. They have everything they ever wanted to know. The only reason people buy books on UFOs or watch movies on, you know, aliens, stuff like that is because they're interested. They, they want to know. They want to believe that there's something there. Um, and if they learn that it's true, that they are there, well, guess what? They don't need to buy a book anymore. There's no more research for them to come to their own conclusions. So I don't think it's going to happen. Justin, we got to get that book done. Pronto about <laughs> get that bad boy out so we can make our five bucks before. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh wait, I've got a my paranormal forum question of the night. Visit paranormalforum.net. You ready for this one? We're coming back to the paranormal industry. All right, good. Are is are, are you you guys have said it's kind of fading? Are we sure about that? I guess that's kind of a short question, but I was going to say, is that is that a question? <laughs> I well, I mean, it seems TV wise, it's kind of fading, but is the mm-hmm. the grassroots effort fading, or is it the same? Or where do you guys see that at? Because I'm interested. What you guys know about what's going on out there? Eric, I'll let you go first with that. Okay, uh, I definitely don't believe it's growing. That's that's for sure. Um, if Oh, I'm sorry, my computer went to sleep here. Um, <clears throat> if it is fading, it is fading rather slowly. Okay, uh, I personally believe that it is fading. Uh, I think there's going to be there's going to come a time uh, in the future, not necessarily the new near future, but in the future, uh, in which this whole paranormal thing is going to be go underground again. You know, it's going to be something you just don't talk about and you don't care about uh, for for most people. Um. I think the reason being is, and, and again, you know, taking a spiritual approach here, Satan is, you know, he, he's a smart cookie, you know, literally, he's a hot cookie, literally, a smart hot cookie. <laughs> he's in hell all the time, uh, which is a whole nother discussion. He's never in hell. <laughs> but <clears throat> I, the, the, the point is that in order for deception to work, you can't keep using the same deception necessarily over and over and over again because eventually people are going to grow tired of it. So there has to be a balance. And this is again, this isn't, this isn't like a fact or anything. This is just my own personal opinion. 
in order to have that balance, you need to allow, in, in regards to the paranormal, I'll say community, um, you need to allow these investigations, this whole, this whole, uh, I guess, uproar about the paranormal to fade in and then fade out. And then fade in and fade out. Because when it's gone, or at least underground, people's interest start to grow again. And when there's, uh, so a great amount of interest in the world, Satan kind of releases it and it comes back and everybody's just boom in the paranormal and nobody cares about, you know, whatever else that's going on in life. No one cares about their own life, you know, and what, what truths there are in the world. And so, um, or in the universe. And so, yeah, I think that there's this small fluctuation. I think we're at that point in which it's starting to fade out because there's just not as many people who are interested as there once was. But that's not to say it won't grow again, maybe in 30 or 40 years. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, I, I'm going to actually take a uh, phrase out of your chat room here, Jim, from Heidi. Uh, it, it actually puts it pretty well into perspective as far as I'm concerned. Uh, she says, I don't think it's faded. It's just normal now. It's blending in and not standing out. And that's, I believe, 100% correct. The paranormal is now the normal. And so now all of these people don't really have to go out and seek these this stuff, you know, it's happening to a lot of people now because as, you know, we were saying about the Ouija board, uh, the door is open. You know, everybody, uh, almost everybody believes in the paranormal now. Uh, what they believe is where, where a lot of people differentiate. But uh, as far as the TV shows, I I agree with Eric. Uh they they are not growing. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of the TV shows are fading. Uh, with that being said, because there have been so many people that came out have come out and said they're faking evidence because they need ratings. Uh, and Eric's cat is distracting. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as what we do, I've seen a growth in paranormal or supernatural podcasts or what we would call online radio shows uh we've actually seen a boom in that since 2009 compared to the the tv shows uh and with that being said you know even though eric and i own our own network now uh i think a lot of what we would call the big paranormal networks have kind of put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, especially podcasters' mouths, um, to where they, you know, they won't be doing shows eventually because a lot of people are being ground to the, to the grindstone because of these quote-unquote 
huge paranormal networks or podcast networks. For the record, you were about to say ground to the ground. I was. I really was. That's okay, though. I understand. And I totally agree with you that it's it's not necessarily it's it's not it's not fair to the host that the owners of some of these networks are lacking business fundamentals. It's it's horrible to the listeners who have to search high and low to find my show, your show, Heidi's show, any other shows that we have out there. Right. So that's who it ends up hurting at the end is these people who mm-hmm. like listening to these shows and have to go through so many bad ones. And we're not going to mention any bad ones. No. <laughs> that, not yet, that would not be yet anyways. Though I have a several in you know in the top of my brain, but no, I won't mention who they are. Quit thinking my name right now. Oh, <laughs> get out of my head, Jim. Um, so t- uh, we was- kind of danced around it earlier. You kind of mentioned some of this. Well, where can people find your show and your net? Let's find your show first. Let's get into the show, and then we'll get into the network. And- okay. Um, well, you can find the show at uh, paratruthradio.com. As well as iHeartRadio, uh, we do have a YouTube feed with video now. Uh, iTunes, Spreaker, Spreaker is the main site that uh, we upload the shows to. Uh, as well as any other podcasting app or streaming software. Eric, why don't you go with the network part of it? Okay, <laughs> the network. It's a thing that. Surprise you with awesome radio shows. So you don't have to describe what no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Goodness gracious, no. So, uh, yeah, Paratruth Radio Network. Believe it or not, isn't ParatruthRadioNetwork.com. It's PTRNetwork.com. Um, although, honestly, if you type in Paratruth Radio or just Paratruth, you'll probably find the the, the uh, address to the network. So, uh, do we, do we have a Twitter for the network itself now? We do have a Twitter for the network. We do have uh, a Google Plus group as well as a Facebook group for the network. We have a Facebook page for just the show itself. And um, same thing for Twitter, Google Plus, LinkedIn, all Mm -hmm. that great stuff. Uh, And, you know, on the network, you can also find uh, Jerry from Tiger Girl for God Radio, who does every other Wednesday as well. So, remember earlier when I was talking about deceiving? I'm pretty good at that. You see how I just said one thing and I somehow got him to finish everything else for me? That's how it works. It's because you won't say it, so I have to. No, because I don't know it, mostly. (laughs) That's what I meant. (laughs) That's that's, that's the difference. Well, somebody has to say it. Somebody has to know it. Somebody has to say it. Uh, The thing between Justin and I, now he's, he's, when it comes to the radio show... He's the guy to talk to when it comes to all the technical stuff. Um, you know, when, when it comes to all the websites and this and that, he has all the information. He knows everything. I don't know diddly squat <laughs> when it comes to, to all that stuff. If you want some creative things done, I'm the person to look to. But, you know, actually getting everything out there, yeah, don't ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> and for the record, I, I applied to iHeart months ago, and I'm still just waiting. So hopefully, <laughs> but I, I sent an I sent an email after the first month, and I'm like, "How long is this taking?" They're like, six to eight weeks," and I'm like, "It's already okay." <laughs> okay. We're, hmm. What are they doing? Approving a show a day over there? I mean, yeah. 
we we have another friend of ours who who sent it to iHeart as well, and he's like, "How long did it take you guys?" I, I was like, "Ah, it." It was several weeks before they actually sent the acceptance thing, but uh, as soon as you get that acceptance notice, it's within a couple of days, and and you are on iHeart. So I do encourage you to continue to keep getting those the shows up there. Uh, they they will get back to you as soon as it is is finalized and going to be up there. So I, I keep posting there. I, I you know behind the curtain. Yeah. Hashtag spoiler. I, I like I like Spreaker because I can just upload there and it goes to YouTube. Right. It yeah. makes my life a whole lot easier. may not be sexy on YouTube, but, you know. Well, <laughs> I, I think that's one reason why we made the switch, because we were on Blog Talk Radio again when we first started and then uh, made the switch to Spreaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a lot more benefits with Spreaker compared to Blog Talk. Uh, with that being said you can also create your own app for your show or Spreaker does have their own uh, smartphone app to stream shows as well so I mean blog talk does not have that as of it's, yet. it's just an overall better platform in yeah. the end you know yeah it sounds a lot better yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and on top of it, the, the big issue I think that we have with blog talk is they constantly change things on us um and so, like, there'd be times where we have pretty good benefits and everything's working out, and then they change uh, their own platform, and so we have to change with it, and we actually lose, you know, lost some things here and there, uh, and it prevented us from having the clarity that we wanted and really being um, as, I guess, having as professional of a, of a show as we do on Spreaker. Uh, but not, I, I don't want to knock Blog Talk completely because for those of you out there who actually are just getting into radio and you want a cheap way to, to really get into radio and have decent sound, Blog Talk's great. You know, it, it is a great uh, starting... I was uh, stepping stone. Stepping stone, yeah. So, you know, I, I wouldn't knock it completely. That's one guy's opinion. Um. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're talking behind the curtain stuff, we've got a few minutes left here. Fill me, fill me in on who you'd like to have on your show. Not who you have coming up, but who you'd want to have coming up if you could, if I could get you anybody on your show that you'd like to have. Oh, anybody that we would like to have. Yeah. Um, me personally? Yeah, probably. Art, Art Bell, uh, because I, I truly feel that if Art Bell didn't start doing what he did, uh, way back when, you know, n- none of us would be doing what we're doing right now. Hmm. Good luck with that, by the way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, I, for me, I would say Zach Bagans. I just slicked my hair back. I'm sorry. What did, what did you say? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I think we were going to get try to try to get uh, Josh Gates. We were going to try yeah, to. Yeah, Josh we, Gates would be. We we, we wanted to try, uh, or we were going to try to. But honestly, I mean, I know they're all super busy. Right. He's constantly traveling the world more so than probably anybody right now in in uh, I guess the paranormal community in regards to television. Um, with, with his newest show, Expedition Unknown, which is a fantastic show, by the way. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he he's literally gone 
oh, close to 200 plus days out of the year um, around the world, rarely ever in the country. So it's kind of tough to get someone like him on. Well, and I think uh, we were both kind of uh, put off by the fact that he was charging so much for his autographs <laughs> at Scarefest as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, Josh Gates would be a great guest, uh, as well as Art Bell or even Zach Baggins. Uh, I- I've tried reaching out to all three, and, you know, as you guys have said, good luck, because they are really frugal about who they want to do uh, shows with as well as they are very busy on top of that. Yeah, well, that's true too. Okay, wait a, wait a second. Charging for an autograph at an event? <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, Scarefest. The, yeah, you know, I've, heard, I've heard a of lot it. of guests there. Okay, so, so we've been there a couple of times and the majority of the guests that they have there all charged for autographs. It's very rare that you, you can get an autograph, uh, for free. Which is very unfortunate, especially when you're worth, you know, four million dollars. But. Well, when we first went, I think it was Scarefest 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably two. Two or three. Either one, uh, Back then, there, it wasn't as as much as it was this past time that we went. Uh, I, I think there was not a single what you would call "quote unquote" famous person uh, at this event that did not charge for their autographs. I must be missing something because I I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being the small podcaster that I am that I would think that I want anybody and everybody who wants a picture, autograph, whatever. The habit. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what we said when we were doing our our live show at Scarefest. It, it yeah, it must just be you know, this is changes things. I don't know if they're required or not because I know when we went originally into '09, Zach Bagans gave me his autograph for free. You know, he wasn't charging any you know at all. So I don't know if it's just something um, that they have to do. You know, maybe Scarefest tells them they have to do it, and then those proceeds go back to to uh, whoever's running Scarefest. Um, I don't know, but it is it, it's a sad thing for for the fans. And we'll throw we'll throw the door open. Somebody who knows something about this, if it does go back or where, what's going on? I guess I'll leave it at that. Feel free to uh, look us up, look me up, look look these boys up, and <laughs> have have fun explaining this one to me. Because like I said, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I mean, yeah. Nope, that's just me. What do I know? Yes, Heidi, I'd have to pay people to take my picture with me. Yes, I, <laughs> I agree with that one. Actually, actually, I went to the um, live paranormal, whatever it was, in Erie last summer and walked around, and, and a few people knew who I was, which was kind of totally random to me. They knew who <laughs> I was. And then John Tenney walked up behind me and said, Mallard. And I went, hey, John. You know, I just turned around. <laughs> didn't think, didn't blink. You know, I'm like, well, you know, it took me a minute, and um, had a nice conversation with it. You know, but he he was just, you know, nice guy. You know, we did. I didn't even think about autograph or anything like that. We just had a nice conversation, which was really funny because oh, you've been doing these events. You know, when you're there with one of the headliners and you're kind of talking into, I we had, he had a paper on his, so I picked it up and started talking into it like you know, like the the baseball players do into the glove. 
so people yeah. couldn't see what I was saying. And you could just see the people <laughs> wondering what in the world what I was talking about that was so important. It was nothing. It was just, you know, just a humor, pe- you know, make people wonder. And, of course, John just loved that because, you know, he's just weird like that. And, um, but it was just fun. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't well, know. The the one thing that I do have to say is, even though I had to pay for the autograph, uh, or well, actually, what we did is we paid for the picture, I believe, and and uh, we got to meet Sid Haig, uh, Captain Spaulding from um, House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, and he, very personable guy. When you're standing there and you know waiting to get your autograph and all that, uh, we also got to take pictures with him. Uh, so some of them are very personable, but yeah, they're still they're still charging uh, an arm and a leg for either an autograph or you have to buy buy the picture for for their autograph or whatever. Uh, so somebody from from that perspective, Sid Haig, who ha- has been in several big movies and who is probably a multimillionaire at this point, yeah, why why? Are we being charged for this? Yes, you're you're a public figure. We get it, but if if we could crack that code, you know, we would all probably be millionaires at this point as well. <laughs> and I will say this for the record: now, if I get my picture taken with the person and they print it instantly, I, yeah, I could I'd pay for that. But that's here. That's okay. Now that I've subjected that to everybody out there, <laughs> just that final word on that. Okay. Okay, before we run out of time, I want you guys to give me the website and um, all the fun stuff again. Mention the project name for your short film mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go. Go ahead, Derek. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Bear Truth Radio, you can find us on Spreaker, uh, iHeart, uh, YouTube, and pretty much any platform uh, whatsoever. All you have to do is Google us, Bear Truth Radio, and you'll, you'll find a bunch of different links uh, to find us, to get to us. Um Check us out on Facebook, uh, simply facebook.com forward slash Paratruth Radio. Again, it's another link that would pop up if you Googled us. Uh, like us, you know, talk to us. We love that kind of thing. You'll find our email as well on our website. Uh, also check out ptrnetwork.com. You'll learn more about our show uh, as well as uh, our friend Jerry, who also has a show uh, that, that is usually on every other Wednesday, uh, another paranormal show. So it's a good, good show. Uh, I think everyone would like it. Um, the name of my film is The Revealed. It is officially completed and is hitting the festival circuit this summer uh, and for about the next year. If you want to know more about that, you'll find information for it again on paratruthradio.com. You can also find it on facebook.com forward slash The Revealed. And you can find, uh, more about, find out more about See, I know other languages, guys. Um, <laughs> you can find out more about the film as well on uh, my own website, which is ericscareback.com. And, of course, if you want to know more about this handsome devil talking to you right now, ericscareback.com is a good place to go. So. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> Normally, Sorry, I, I can't. I can't help myself sometimes, guys. I, I know. <laughs> you might as well get it out there. If you paid for that domain, you couldn't have found something. For, never mind. Um, <laughs> 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 sure, there wasn't a big line for that one. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I understand because Mallard's spelled with the I. I can get any domain I want. But anyways, um, <laughs> 
My dire- uh, normally I kick the guest off before I get to this, but I'm going to leave you guys on because I think, well, I have to say it to somebody. My direct take from directadlinks.com. Go check them out. My direct adlinks take tonight is Happy Paranormal Day. Happy Paranormal Day. I have no idea what in the world that means, but I've seen it on Facebook today. So, A, it must be true, and B, it must be wished. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I checked at Hallmark. They didn't have any cards, so I can't mail them to you. Maybe maybe next year. Maybe. Maybe. Or maybe somebody will come up with some. We can make a fortune off of it ourselves. Right, yeah. there you go. Get on that. Somebody go buy paranormalcards.com right now. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. Get on that. <laughs> I'm going to be very uh, mad if I go check in a couple hours and somebody just bought oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> well, thank you, guys. Um, well, we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Indeed. All right, folks. That was the episode we did with Jim Malliard on the Malliard Report. It was a great episode. We enjoyed doing it with Jim. Uh, he's a great guy, an old friend of mine, and I encourage you to check out his show. And if you want to do that, you can go to tmr247.net and you can listen to old episodes when he is not live and join people in his chat room, or you can listen to him live every Tuesday night. So without further ado, folks, That is the end of the show tonight. Next week, we have Nick Redford coming on to talk about his book, The Malleard Report. So I encourage you to definitely check that show out as well. It's going to be an interesting one by far. So until next week, where you'll find us same time, same channel, my name is Justin. Talk to you later, guys. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can listen to them on HD at our website, paratruthradio.com. And you can also find us at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, and YouTube. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for brand new updates of our show every day. We interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!